Well, 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 friends, what is up, homies, and welcome to SquawkCon 2021. Hey, it is an honor to have you with us. I can't believe that it's literally the fifth time we've done a SquawkCon. I mean, literally, we've worn five different shirts. We've probably been in five different venues. And to think five years ago, we were in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Where are my Tennessee people in the chat? If you're from Tennessee, Snoop, I want to see you spamming in the chat. Who else is from Tennessee here? To think it's been five years is a huge honor. And this summer, we're going to celebrate big because technically it hasn't actually been five years yet. The five year will be in the summer, but we're in our fifth time of doing squad counts during it twice this year. And yeah, I just need you to spam some Jesus hype in the chat to thank God for his faithfulness. You think about how far we've come since the very first one when we literally arrived in a building in Tennessee that Lex Bragg managed to let us use for free from his pastor. We arrived in a building that we had never even been into before, scrambled like crazy, volunteers drove around from all over the country, and we gathered together, and here we are five years later, and Man, I'm just so grateful for his faithfulness. I'm grateful for you being a part of our community. And no matter how you're watching, whether it's live right now during SquawCon, the VOD, YouTube, Spotify, whatever it might be, hey, we want to welcome you. It's so good to have you. Normally what we love to do around SquawCon is we love to really make SquawCon really intentional. And really the whole reason why SquawCon exists is really for two reasons, is one, for us to come together and deepen our relationship with one another. But it'd be amiss if we didn't also make it a focus for us to deepen and deepen our relationship with God. And that's why every year we've been doing something as of the last few years where we gather around a theme for every year's SquadCon. And this year's theme, I've entitled it Min-Maxing Your Faith. Now, if you're not familiar with the term Min-Max, because I found out to my surprise that Pastor Boz isn't a real gamer because he didn't know what it meant. <laughs> but essentially, if you don't know what Min-Maxing is, it's terminology really mostly used in MMORPGs. And if you don't play that genre, you probably wouldn't know what that means. But essentially, the mindset behind Min-Maxing is you're focusing on the tiny little details that will make you a better player. So in World of Warcraft, it might mean making sure that you don't have the cheap mid-level enchant on your shoulders, but you actually dish out the in-game gold to get the really expensive enchant, even though it only gives you like plus five more stamina. You're willing to make sure that all of the little details are at the highest level so you can be the best player. Really the best way that I can explain this is min-maxing is the difference between macro gameplay in micro gameplay. Macro gameplay is the obvious things that you have to learn to play a video game. In League of Legends, macro gameplay might be, yes, you need to take down the towers and then get to the Nexus. Obviously, that you can't win without it. But the micro gameplay might be, I need to master the art of last hitting the minions. Or I need to learn that maybe before I want to go by, it's good for me to push my lane, give me some time. It's the tiny details. In Fortnite, the macro gameplay might be, I should learn how to build a wall. <laughs> but the micro gameplay, the min-maxing might be, not only am I going to learn how to do 90s in a funnel at the end game, but I'm going to learn the art of undo my editing so that I can make a quick hole in the wall take a shot and maybe use my middle mouse wheel, a really quick button to undo that edit and use the wall as a shield. It's the difference between the tiny details. The tiny details, min and maxing, will always be the difference between in games, those who are good and those who are great. In parenting, macro gameplay might be feeding your children. <laughs> Being a good parent, the first thing, I do, you gotta at least feed your kids, you know what I'm talking about? But the micro gameplay might be like, no, I'm not gonna let other pastors take spiritual responsibility for my children and I'm going to pray with them at night. I'm going to teach them God's word. 
I am going to pray through my Bible, maybe even deliberately at times in a place that they can see, so they can see me and learn from my example. It's the difference between the little details that might take you from being good to being great. And in the next few days, we're going to focus all of our messages, including this one, around that concept and theme, min-maxing your faith to help you go deeper in your relationship with Jesus. And for today, I want to take a little trip down memory lane. Okay, I got a question for you. I want to see this live in the chat. And if you're watching on YouTube, put it in the comments below. What was your first ever gamer tag? I want to know in the chat right now, okay? I'm going to put mine in there a second. Don't worry. I will not be free from the shame and the embarrassment of all of our dumb first gamer tags. What was your first ever gamer tag? Whatever console, whatever you played on, what was your first ever gamer tag? And I have, I have a confession. I have a confession, chat, okay? When I tell you that your pastor needs prayer, I really mean it, because my first ever gamer tag was Evil Barney 91. Some of y'all better start fasting for me, okay? I got some issues, friends. Evil Barney 91. I'm gonna put it in the chat. Evil Barney 91. I don't know which one's worse, the evil or the Barney part. I really actually don't know. And 91 is my year of birth. But we got some, we got some all kinds of names. We got just Dylan 14. We got Sacadra. We got Boz 007. <laughs> We got Wolfman264, Amadeus3432. We got Doubled Up for You, Cloud1686, Cherry Lover. Do you like Shirley Temples? That's my question. Because I do, but I take out the Shirley Temple. That's absolutely no bearing in this message, but we're going to say it anyway. But the reality is, so many of us have all these different kind of crazy gamer tags. And if you're not familiar with that terminology, a gamer tag really is just like nicknames that gamers use. You might log on, you might know maybe the word a, uh, a gamer handle or, or a screen name. And really all of you watching on Twitch right now, really all of you are using a form of a gamer tag. Like Red Buttons Gaming, like that's not your name. Like your mother wasn't like, let's call him Red Buttons. You know what I mean? Like it's not how it works. Like these aren't your real names. Dude, 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 hey. It's not your real name, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> these are gamer tags. You know what I mean? And the reality is gamers, we do them. And in real life, like, Honestly, Unworthy Seraph, literally behind the camera right now, like, I call him Seraph in real life. Like, I don't, I don't call him Dylan because, hey, we're gamers, man. You know what I'm saying? And so we all use gamer tags. And your gamer tag, hey, it might be, it might be around something that you love, like Cherry Lover. It might describe maybe a, a trait of your biology and your body. Maybe it's blue eyes. Maybe, maybe your gamer tag is based off your constant emotional status, like the angry Irishman. You know what I mean? Like, your names could be whatever you want them to be, and that's the beauty of being a gamer. You can just hide behind this alias, which is super awesome. But one thing I want you to know today is I, I don't believe that we are the only ones that have and use gamer tags. I want to title today's message, God's Gamer Tag. Did you know that God also has many gamer tags? Names that are not exactly his name, but things that might describe him, or his attributes, or things about him. Did you know that God is not so unrelatable that he doesn't also go by some gamer tags in the Bible. He might go by names like advocate, healer, counselor, king of kings, lord of lords, alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. If you actually read scripture, God has well over 100 gamer tags, well over 100 names that are used to describe him. And you might have a personal preference to maybe some of your favorite things about God. But if I'll be honest, my favorite gamer tag out of all the things in the Bible that describe God, that describe the Holy Spirit, that describe Jesus, my favorite gamer tag in all of the Bible is Jesus, friend of sinners. Jesus, friend of sinners. 
It's my favorite name used to describe God, the entire Trinity, Jesus, friend of sinners. And I want to be very clear to all of us what a sinner is. A sinner really is all of us. It's me. It's you. The Bible will call it those that have missed the mark, fallen short of God's glory. You and I have never met, but we got two things in common. We've both done wrong and have sinned against a holy God. But the other thing we have in common is that you and I are so unconditionally loved by God more than you could ever imagine. And what I want to do today is I want to really break down this idea and study the life of Jesus on how you and I can also be like Christ, friend of sinners. But I want to make clear that when using this terminology, all of us are sinners, but those that have said yes to follow Jesus are those that are still equally guilty of sin and doing wrong, but we've simply for, we've embraced the forgiveness that God has for all of us. And so you might be here, and you might be listening and watching this. I want to let you know, when we use the word sinner, this is not an intention to put you down. I want you to hear from me directly. I'm not better than you. I'm just not. I, too, am guilty of sin, but I've just chosen to have my sin washed away by the forgiveness that Jesus offers me, and I hope that you'll do the same. And I want to read to you a passage from Scripture, one of the reasons why Jesus was given this gamer tag, known as Jesus, friend of sinners, Mark 2, 13 to 17. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen for you. Read it with me, verse 13. It says, once again, Jesus went out besides the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, also known as Matthew, which is my name, Holla, okay, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, back in those days, tax collectors were known as really bad people because they legitimately stole from you. Like, they would be told by their boss, the governor, right, to come to your house. He'd be like, hey, this person owes $800, making it modern, easy to understand. They owe $800, go collect $800 from them. But most tax collectors would go to your house and they would say, hey, you owe 1000 Even though they know you really only owe 800 and they would take the 1000 they would put 200 in their pocket, and they would return to their boss the 800 that they were due. So when it starts talking about Jesus interacting with tax collectors, really what it's saying is that Jesus was interacting with bad people, people that you wouldn't think Jesus would be around. Jesus went to the tax collector's booth, and he said, follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Verse 15, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed. And I want, I want to pause right there, because what I want you to grasp in this scripture is that Matthew didn't go to Jesus' house. Jesus went to Matthew's house. It says, while he was at Levi's house, and there were many other tax collectors and sinners there. This is not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't say, hey, Matthew, I want you to follow me, and I want you to come to my house where it's all clean, it's all neat, it's all pure, holy, and righteous. No, Jesus said, Matthew, I want to come to your house. Now, I know your deep, dark secrets. I'm God. I know everything. I know that you've got some porn magazines hidden under your your bed. I know you've got that blunt of marijuana that you didn't finish last night sitting on your dining room table. I know that inside your DVD player, like anyone even owns those anymore, I know inside your DVD player, you've got some rated R movies full of language and sexual content. I know that inside your Xbox, you've got GTA 5, and don't even try to tell me you were racing the cars, okay? I know that you was picking up prostitutes, selling drugs, and murdering innocent people. I am aware that all that stuff is 
in your house, but I want to come anyway. I don't want you to come to my house where it's clean and perfect. I want to come to your house where it's full of sin. Matthew, I want to go to where you're at. I want to go down to your level. I want to go to your house. Verse 16, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, when the religious people saw Jesus, they asked his followers, his disciples, why does he eat with these tax collectors and sinners? Almost with a sarcastic distaste in their mouth. Why is he eating with these disgusting, filthy, sinful people? And Jesus, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, the Christian religious people, but I've come to this earth for sinners, those like you and I who are far from God, who have sinned so that I can give them forgiveness and give them eternal life. I've come to tell you that every single one of us, if you're, a, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, that word literally by definition means to follow the teachings of Jesus, that you and I are becoming like Christ. But the question I want to ask all of you today is that if you want to become more like Christ, are you too friends with sinners? Are you too friends with people that don't know God? People that don't go to church? People who don't act like you? People don't talk like you? People don't vote like you? People don't think like you? Are you friends with people that other religious people might not think you should be friends with? And what I want to do in our time together is I want to break down this concept into two categories and I want to explain four points about what it doesn't mean to be a friend of sinners and four about what it does mean to be a friend of sinners. And I want to encourage you, the Holy Spirit gave me a lot of content to go through with you today and I'm aware you might not be able to remember and grasp all the things we're going to talk about. You might not walk away from this message and be like, wow, I memorized all eight of those points. But I want to ask you today, what's the one that you will remember? I pray that during this message, you'll ask the Holy Spirit, what, what's my one? What's the one concept that, God, I want you to speak to me and help me remember and apply to my life? Four things about what it doesn't mean to be a friend of sinners. First, it doesn't mean conforming to the world's standards. When we use this title for Jesus, friend of sinners, if we're not careful, it can be very dangerous because you can begin to give people the wrong impression about who Jesus is. I want to be clear, being a friend of sinners for Jesus does not mean that he was getting drunk on a Friday night with the homies. It doesn't mean that he was participating in their behavior. It doesn't mean that he walked in the room and allowed them to influence him. He influenced them. I want to be very clear. Jesus hung around people who sinned all the time, but Jesus never sinned once. He was flawless and perfect in all of his ways, and he understood his mission to love them, to serve them, to reach them, but he never conformed to their standards. And I want to encourage you today. I believe that God is calling you to be around people who don't believe like you, who don't talk like you, who don't think like you, but I want to encourage you to stay strong in your faith and to not conform to other standards. There are going to be moments where you need to agree to disagree. Jesus didn't agree with everyone he sat at the table with. But Jesus had a spiritual maturity to understand, I don't need to be offended and end relationships because we don't think the same. 
Being a friend of sinners doesn't mean conforming to the world's standards. It's that difficulty of juggling the line between bad company ruins good morals, but also walking with the wise causes me to be wise. It's that balance, that line of saying, I'm going to be around people, but I'm not going to let them influence me. You've got to understand the goal of the relationship is that I've come to be a light. I've come to encourage you. But you got to understand that if you are going to be an effective light, sometimes you've got to step into the darkness, but not partake in the darkness. Jesus never, never partook in the ways of the world. And when you're around maybe friends that don't believe, I want to ask you a question. Are you being transformed or are they being transformed? The second thing that it doesn't mean to be a friend of sinners is to only be friends with non-believers. I want to be clear. Jesus is not communicating to you, stop hanging out with Christians and only hang out with lost people. Only hang out with people who don't go to church, who don't believe in God. No, 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 no. You gotta understand that Jesus spent some of his time with non-believers, but he spent most of his time with the disciples. He spent most of his time with the 12, where they were encouraging each other in their faith. They were uplifting one another. You gotta realize that you're a tank, and your tank can either be full or it can be empty. And when you're getting in your experience group, which I really hope you'll be in during SquadCon, and even more importantly, hope you'll join one permanently after SquadCon is over, that experience group is meant to be a body of believers encouraging one another, building each other up in their faith, filling up your tank, and helping your light shine bright so that when you do go into the world, you can influence the world and make a difference in the lives of other people. Being a friend of sinners doesn't mean only being friends with sinners. It means making sure that I'm also spending adequate amount of time with God's people so that when I do get around people who don't believe, I'm not going to stumble and I'm not going to conform to their standards. The third thing that it doesn't mean to be a friend of sinners is justifying your own sinful behavior. See, there are so many times in, in our lives where sometimes we tell ourselves, well, I'm hanging around these people because I want to be more like Jesus. But in reality, we know that I'm hanging around these people because I'm actually just looking for excuse to justify my own sinful behavior. You might think to yourself, well, I don't, I don't hang out with my Christian friends all too often because they never laugh at my that's what she said jokes. I'm coming up in your business. There's, there's a change in our behavior that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. It's called sanctification. It's the process where Jesus is renewing, transforming your life, your mind, the way you think, your actions, things you approve and disapprove of. The Holy Spirit will change you over time that the things you used to love, like pornography, over time God gives you a distaste in your mouth for the things that are against his holy nature. But if we'll be honest, sometimes we, we can pretend like we're being missionaries to our friends when really we are around them because we feel at home because they laugh at my perverted jokes, or they cuss just like I do, and I feel like I fit in. And I want to challenge you today that when you're around people who don't believe in God, there is a part of you that should feel out of place. There's a part of you that, yeah, you guys might be able to talk about work and life and marriage, and you might be able to connect on so many levels, but the God of the universe who is the center of your life if they don't believe that, there's going to be a little bit of a disconnect. 
Now, you don't need to cause that to break the whole relationship, but there's going to be a part where you're going to feel a little disconnected. And if you're truly following Jesus, you should feel a little out of place. I can imagine Jesus sitting around the table with these tax collectors and them cracking some perverted jokes that Jesus didn't laugh at. I can imagine some awkward moments where they were talking about, hey, you know, we were at the barbershop last night and we were talking about all the, we were saying all the bad things about our wives and Jesus, don't you think that it's just awesome to get together with the boys and talk down about our wives? And he would say, no, I, no, I, I don't think that's good. He wouldn't let it ruin the friendship, but I can imagine at moments, Jesus, because of his perfect behavior, there were moments where he would have felt a little out of place. And I would challenge you to do a heart check today that if you feel 100% at home with people who don't believe in what you claim to be the center of your life, have you truly given your life to follow Jesus and are chasing his holiness? Being a friend of sinners doesn't mean justifying your own sinful behavior. The fourth thing that it doesn't mean to be a friend of sinners is it doesn't mean only being around them so you can reach them. There's a false mentality that Christians have that I've got to go into the world and I've got to reach the lost and I've got to talk with people who are different than I do, but the moment I find out they're not interested in God, I'm out. On to the next person. Do you realize that Jesus is God and knows all things. He knows the decisions that you'll make before you ever make them and the decisions that you'll reject before you ever reject them. There were people that Jesus spent time with that he knew would never accept him as Lord and he still spent time with them anyway. He still loved them. He still went to their house. He still sat around a table. Not 100% of people that Jesus interacted with him gave their lives to follow him as Lord. Some of them did not embrace that he was the Messiah, but he loved them anyway. And I want to challenge you. You've got a false love if the only reason you're spending time with some of your non-believing friends is so that you can convert them. Even if they never want to accept Christ, Jesus wants you to feed them. When they're thirsty, Jesus wants you to give them something to drink. Jesus wants you to be around them. Jesus wants you to love them and serve them because he loves them, not because they'll love him back. And I challenge you today to really do a heart check and ask yourself, am I really a, a friend of sinners? Or am I just on a mission to convert every single person and I'm so laser focused that if you won't convert, then I'm on to the next guy. Jesus loved people, period. That was his first agenda, that he loved people. And he had every desire to seek and save those who were lost and to reach them but he knew those that would say no, and he still spent time with them anyway. Have you invited a neighbor to your house and had them over for dinner and then maybe got a vibe that they weren't interested in the fact that you go to church and that was the last time you invited them over? I feel like that might actually do more harm to the Christian faith than never have invited them over in the first place. Because now they know, wait, so now that you know I'm not interested, we're not going to be friends anymore? We, we, so we, we can't share a meal because I don't believe in your God. That might be more, it'd be better off you never invited them in the first place. Jesus didn't love people who would love him back. He loved all people, but do you? Being a friend of sinners, it, it doesn't mean only being with people to reach them. It means loving people no matter what.
what it does mean to be a friend of sinners is it means being a friend and not just an acquaintance. Can I tell you, maybe for some of you, th- this is your one. If I'll be honest, it's, it's mine. I think I can really justify the fact that I go on the internet and I tell a bunch of random people that I've never met about Jesus and I convince myself that I'm a friend of sinners. Can I tell you, to be friends with someone means that you spend time with them. Jesus didn't walk by and just spew out a speech as he walked by a bunch of random people. No, he, he went to their house. He, he had them over for dinner. He spent time with them. Can I be honest? I've been here in Virginia for three years, and I've never had my neighbors over for dinner. Sure, we talk across the fence, and we've connected a little bit, but I've never really gone out of my way to, to serve them. Friendly conversation, smile, small talk, and, and even we've had some conversations, sometimes of 30, 45 minutes. But if I'll be honest, I'm really, I'm really an acquaintance with my neighbors. I'm not really a friend. To be a friend of sinners means you spend time with them. Being a friend of sinners means that you, you make time in your calendar. Jesus, the King of Kings, made time. When he could have been off healing people, when he could have been off hanging out with people who would accept him, he spent time, valuable, precious time around people who didn't believe like he did because he wasn't an acquaintance of sinners. He was a friend of sinners. And as I was preparing, the Holy Spirit was convicting me, man, it's time to get your neighbors over for dinner. The reality is being a friend of sinners is becoming more like Jesus. So the question I'm asking myself and asking you is if we don't have time to be friends of sinners, then we don't have time to be like Jesus. Then we don't have time to be like Jesus. Calendar's too full, making excuses here and there. I've come to declare to myself and to all of you, it's time to stop making excuses and it's time to be a friend of sinners. It's time to get around people who don't agree with you. It's time to get around people who don't think like you If I'm being honest, all my time is spent with Christians and then I tell a bunch of random people that I've never met, don't even know their real name because they're all hidden behind a gamer tag and I convince myself that I'm a a friend of sinners. Being a friend of sinners doesn't mean that I know them, I know of them. It means that I, I know them. It does mean being a friend, not just an acquaintance. Second thing, it means to actually be a friend of sinner. It means loving people despite their behavior. I really believe Jesus sat around a table with people who swore. I, re- I don't know what their swords were back then. They didn't even speak English. But whatever their words back then, whatever their trendy, inappropriate jokes were back then, the same sinful nature that exists today is the same sinful nature that exists back then. People are people, and whatever they were, they used them around Jesus. And Jesus knew that before I go to your house, Like I mentioned earlier, I know what you got hidden under your bed. I know the thoughts that you have, even though you don't say them out loud. I know the cuss words you use at the table. I know the things that you think and feel that I don't agree with, but Jesus loved people despite their behavior. But if I'll be honest, as a pastor of this church for the past five years, I've encountered a lot of people who let people's behavior keep them from you loving them. 
Jesus loves people first, deals with their behavior second. You have to understand that Christianity is not about behavior modification. Jesus is always first concerned with heart transformation, and out of the abundance of the heart, it changes your behavior. Jesus always gets down to the core of the heart, and he knows that if I can fix the root, it'll change what stems from there. But so many times, because of people's behavior, we won't love them. We, 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 won't, we won't love them. Jesus never reached people by reminding them they weren't worthy to sit at his table. He always reached them by sitting at their table. Always. Always. It's who he was. Levi, I want to come to your house. Zacchaeus, I want to come. He said, I must come to your house today. I know you're going to cuss around me. We'll get to that. Let's talk about your soul first. We'll talk about your swearing later. Get to the core. Love people despite their behavior. And if you allow little things that you don't do to keep you from investing in their eternity, then we don't love people the way that Jesus did. And we are not a friend of sinners. It does mean loving people despite their behavior. Second to last thing as we're wrapping up in a few minutes, it means not being too Christian. There are so many people. I'll tell you, some people, when they become a Christian, they become insanely unrelatable. I'll be honest, some Christians are weird, bro. Facts, we, capital weird. Like, I'm a pastor. Like, I, I, I spent a lot of money to go to Bible college. I know words like transubstantiation, okay? I know some big things. And sometimes I'm talking to people, and I'm like, bro, you weird, man. You, like, so saved that, like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I know a lot. I don't know everything, but I know a lot about the Bible. And I'm like, bro, how is this conversation taking place? Some people, I'll be honest, they're too Christian. Like, they're too saved. They're oversaved. Like, they're the people that are like, you know, put me in the front of the line of heaven. Jesus is like, bro, like, you know, you're going to have to wait your turn. I'm going to judge everyone in the order that I've decided. Like, there are some people that are too Christian. And I believe that sometimes to be a friend of sinners, like, you got to make sure, like, do I speak in a way that's, like, relatable to people? Or am I using these huge words that no one understands? Do I use sanctification at the dinner table while we're talking about something different? Am I the guy that like while people are playing Fortnite and having comms and I jump in the Discord and go, who wants to have a Bible study? Like, bro, we're clicking heads, dude. Like, I'll be, I, love, I love Jesus. I love the Bible. Sometimes I just want to click a face. You know what I mean? Sometimes I just want to click a face, dude. Bible studies are great. I got, one, I got a Thursday night experience group. No, I don't want to do a Bible study right now. I'll, I'll be honest, some people are too Christian. They're too Christian. Using these big words, no one understands. Every moment of every day, going around asking people, when was the last time you read the Bible? Bro, was the last time I'm talking to you. <laughs> you gotta be, you gotta understand that Jesus is both the most unrelatable person of all time and yet the most relatable person at the same time. The Bible says that he under he understands our ways. He was tempted in every way that we were. And Jesus, he wasn't too Christian that people couldn't relate to him. We read that verse. Put up Mark 2.15. I want to explain something very, very 
very important to you. It doesn't just say that Jesus knew non-Christians. It doesn't just say that he sat at the table. It says that he reclined at the table. He reclined at the table. And this is so important because if you understand the culture back then, reclining was a position of comfort and relatability amongst friends. Like when you go to someone's house for the first time, I mean, you wear a nice shirt. You make sure not to get food all over yourself, which I do all the time, right? You make sure not to put your feet on the dining room table, right? You wipe your feet at the door. Like you're on your best behavior, proper, right? You put the napkin in your shirt or on your lap, whatever it might be. But when you get to know someone over time, like you come in, kick your shoes off, make sure they're like somewhat straight, right? If you're close enough with someone, you might not even knock. You might just open the door if that's allowed in their house, you might put your feet up on the couch. There's a comfortability in a relationship that's built over time and that shows like we're connecting, like we've connected. And when it uses the word reclined at the table, that displays that term, that term of relationship. That not only did Jesus recline at their table, but they were comfortable enough and related to Jesus enough. They were like, hey, this guy's really cool. Let's sit back and just let's just chill a little bit. We're hanging out. We can relate to this guy. We can, we can talk and have conversation without being like, this dude's weird. He's throwing out on the word Messiah every five seconds. I don't even understand what that, the anointed one. I don't even know what anointing means. Jesus was relatable. He wasn't too Christian that non-believers couldn't relate to him. And the question I want to ask you, are you more Christian than Jesus? Are you, more, are you more Christian than Jesus that you don't know how to relate to people who aren't in the faith? Because if you are, you, you can't be a friend of sinners. Because if I'll be honest, they, they won't want to be friends with you. They'll never reach the place where they're reclined at the table with you. They'll always be small talk, shallow relationship that never goes deeper. Being a friend of sinners does mean not being too Christian. Last point I want to make today is being a friend of sinners means sometimes being rejected by other Christians. What some of you might not know is that this gamer tag that Jesus was given, Jesus, friend of sinners, it actually wasn't meant to be a compliment. It was actually meant to be an insult. This was actually an insult given to him by other religious people. We read in the passage, Matthew 2, that they were like, oh, why is Jesus sitting around these sinful people, these tax collectors, the lowest of the low? Why is he around them? But I want to show you where Jesus was actually given that nickname. I want to read to you Matthew 11, 8 to 19. And this is Jesus speaking to the overly religious people, the people that are too Christian, don't get it right, think they have it all together, but really they don't. And he says, for John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say he was a demon, talking about John the Baptist. The son of man, who was another gamer tag for Jesus, came eating and drinking, and they say, here's a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by our deeds. Leave that up on the screen. What Jesus is saying here, because when they talked about John the Baptist, John the Baptist was not a man who liked fancy things. He wasn't materialistic. He fasted a lot. And he wasn't a man who needed a lot in order for him to be happy in doing his mission. He, he, he didn't really drink. He, he, he didn't eat too much. He, he didn't require too much to please him. But Jesus, we see Jesus, Jesus was at feasts with people. And we see that, yes, that Jesus drank alcohol. We're going to get into that in a second. 
But what Jesus is saying is religious people. You thought that John was too uptight. You think that I'm too loosey-goosey. Your standards are impossible because you actually think that you're more holy than me. You think that because I'm around sinners, which if you were really a Christian, you'd understand my mission is to seek and save those that are lost and not just to give healthy people another doctor. But you're so over-Christian. You're so too Christian. You're so religious that you're going to reject me because I want to be around people who sin. Man, you thought John the Baptist too uptight, Jesus too loosey-goosey. I promise you, Jesus was perfect and never sinned. But there's a moment in our minds as Christians where we want Jesus to be what we want him to be rather than who he actually was. I'm going to be very, very clear with you. Jesus never sinned once in his whole life. But even in this scripture, Jesus says, yeah, I've come and I've, I've done some drinking, casually, respectfully, in a non-sinful manner. The Bible doesn't teach that drinking alcohol is a sin. It teaches that getting drunk is a sin. So I'm going to be around people, and they might be drinking, but I'm not going to get drunk. You can't read the Bible and understand that there were, there were gatherings that Jesus came to, and he brought the alcohol. Not for people to get drunk, but for them to have casual conversation and enjoy what was culturally acceptable back then. But, pe- but the religious people, whoa, whoa, Jesus brought the alcohol? To th- whoa, whoa, that's not the Jesus I know. Well, it's the Jesus of the Bible. That, that's who Jesus is. And sometimes we can be so Christian that we, we've painted a picture of what we want Jesus to be like rather than what he was actually like. Jesus was the guy that respectfully and free of sin sat at a table drank and ate and was merry with his friends and sat around the table with people who swore sat around the table with people who committed adultery jesus wasn't afraid to get around sinful people but if we'll be honest some of us have a picture of jesus where all he did was sit in his perfect room and only allow good people to come in his presence and i've come to tell you if that's what you think about jesus you don't know him as well as you think you do that's the real jesus perfect, holy, flawless in all of his ways. But he wanted, loved being around people who sinned. And it didn't make him a sinner. It didn't make him full of error. It made him a friend of sinners. It made him a friend of sinners. He never crossed the line. He never crossed the boundary. But Jesus understood, we are willing to do anything short of sin to reach people far from God. But are you? Are you willing to be a light that is willing to go in the darkness and say, you know what, I want to love people that are different than me. I want to invite my neighbors over even though I know that he voted for the guy I didn't vote for. I'm going to invite him over even though I know he cusses from the time to time. I know that he smokes pot on the weekends, but you know what, I'm I'm going to invite him to my house and we're going to sit in the back deck and we're going to talk and chat and we're going to build a relationship. We're not going to be just acquaintances. We're not going to just wave across the yard. We're, we're going we're to get to know one another. Because I want to be a friend of sinners. That's who Jesus was. That's the real Jesus. Some people might say that the life of Jesus doesn't line up with what people might think is good. He was holy, but he wasn't willing, he wasn't afraid to get around people who weren't. And so the question I want to ask you today is, 
this week, this week, not next month, not next year, this week, who will you start developing a relationship with that is far from God? In this message, I give you a lot of points. I honestly don't even expect you to remember all of them, but I pray that the Holy Spirit stuck out one to you. And I want you to remember one point. And I also want you to remember this question. Who's one person this week? This week. You're going to call, you're going to text, you're going to Facebook message, you're going to tweet, whatever it might be. You're going to start building relationship with them who's far from God. No more will I be an acquaintance of sinners. I want to be a friend of sinners. For me, when SquatCon's over, because, you know, my I got a million people in my house right now. I'm calling my neighbor. Let's have you over for dinner. I'm sorry that took three years. I want to maybe go meet the lady like two houses down that I don't even, there might be a guy, I actually have no idea. Like I don't know, I don't know who lives two houses down. I have no idea. It's a problem. It's a problem. Now, I don't want to be overly legalistic and be like, if you don't know everyone within a 10-mile radius of your house, you're not a friend of sinners. No, I don't. I might go two houses down. That's probably my limit. (laughs) You know what I mean? But like, I don't want to know no one. And so I want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand what it doesn't mean and what it does mean to be a friend of sinners and ask the Holy Spirit for us to be more like him to reach people that are far from God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you today, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, help us, God, to be more like Christ and to be a friend of sinners. Help us to be willing to be around people who think different, talk different, act different. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would really engrave in our minds whatever our one point was. I also pray today, God, that you engrave in our minds one person, one person, who can we we can start building a relationship this week. I'm not going to wait till tomorrow. I'm not going to wait till next month. I'm not going to wait till I feel like I've got the right answers. I'm not going to even wait until I feel like I have all the answers in case they ask me tough questions about God. I'm going to follow and obey you by being a friend of sinners and ask the Holy Spirit to give me the words when those questions come. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord. God, make us all evangelists who love sinners. And God, I pray that you change our hearts. Give us a deep, deep, deep love and conviction for people that don't behave like we do so that we can fulfill your mission to reach those that are far from Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. And before we end our time together today, I want you to know that Jesus wants to be friends with all of you. But I want to know, do some of you want to be friends with him? You might be here and maybe you're turning into SquawCon because you've and either enjoyed some of my content, were invited by a friend, got connected with our church, whatever it might be. But I pray that today, Jesus wants you to be more than an acquaintance. He wants to be a friend. He wants to be Lord. He wants to be Savior. He doesn't just want you to watch the streams. He wants you to surrender your life to follow Christ because Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, showcasing that He is God, forgiving us of our sins, so that all who would believe in Him You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to all together. You might currently be cussing as you're watching the stream. You might have porn on your second monitor. Jesus wants to save you from your sins. He he loves you. And he's calling you out of that lifestyle to follow him because he's better. And if you're here and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. As you accept Christ as your Savior and Lord. If that's you, pray this prayer with me. God, I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ 
to die on the cross for me. And I ask you today, God, to forgive me of my sins and to be my Lord and my Savior. Today, God, I turn from my ways. No longer will I be an acquaintance, but I will be a friend. I will be servant, and I will be child of God. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, can we put some Jesus hype in the chat to thank and congratulate those that have given their lives to follow Jesus? Come on, somebody. Praise God. Hey, congratulations to those of you that have just accepted Jesus Christ, whether it was for the first time or maybe you rededicated your life to Jesus. We want to celebrate with you and we want to congratulate you with you. So, hey, if, if, if you guys can be bold, if you just did that, if you just made that decision to follow Jesus Christ, be bold and put a yes in the chat. We want to be able to celebrate with you, know who you are. For those of you that just, re we have a rededication already coming in. Just call me blah. He, he rededicated dedicated his life just now. Congratulations, man. Congratulations. And anybody that has just rededicated their life or just accept Jesus Christ into their lives, please put a yes in the chat. But also there's going to be a link that comes into the chat and it's going to be called the next level link. And all we ask you to do is to click on that link and fill out that form with as much information as you feel comfortable giving. A lot of people, they just made this decision in their lives and they're not really too sure where to go from here. How do I read the Bible? Uh, what, what is this baptism? thing how do how do i pray things like that we'd like to be able to walk with you on this journey as like i said a lot of people they don't know where to go from here and we can answer those questions for you and we would love to be able to do so but congratulations once again to those of you that have just done that i promise you it is a decision that you are never going to regret